Hello friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm here with Eric Crespo. I've known Eric a long time. He currently plays the band Abronia. I know you're originally from Ghost Falco. We played many shows together in the past. We are in his basement studio. It's a lovely little room. And I'm here to talk to him about his worst show ever. I feel like there's a there's a qualification coming, perhaps. Yeah, the qualification is I was you asked me about this as the worst show ever and I, I don't have like one worst show. Right. I mean, I've played tons of shows in my life. I don't know, thousands, you know. Right. But coming up with one that sure. would would make for a good story, I couldn't really like there's like some obvious towns that are like, oh, that town usually is shitty, but <laughs> somehow you go you go through there because it's on the way and you need to stop and right try and make some gas money or whatever. Sure. So something that's coming to mind is the show Ghost of Falco played at Bakersfield in like 2009, <laughs> which yeah. is one of those towns. It's like <laughs> now I'm you from play, California. Have you played in Bakersfield? I have. I have. I'm from California. I'm from the coast, and, like, I'm from a little shitty town, but even the people in my shitty little town refer to that area as the armpit of California. Oh, yeah. It's classically uh, known that yeah. way. It's not ideal. It's not a great... But if you're going down the five, and you're on your way to L.A., coming from Portland, yeah. I can see where... We were actually coming from Arizona. Okay. And coming back to California to go back up the coast. Right. So we had already come down through L.A., through right. San Diego, over to Arizona. Right. We played a bunch in Arizona. We were but I can back. see, especially if you're you're living here in Portland, where it's like if you're going to do a West Coast tour, you got to go down and then go up. Right. And so I, I deal with this with routing all the time, where it's yeah. like, okay, some places it doesn't make sense to go through the exact way you came up or went down. So Yeah, you don't want to play the same towns right. over and over. So Bakersfield. So Bakersfield <laughs> got on the map. I played there before and it wasn't ever good. But somehow there was like it was one of these venues that exists in places like Bakersfield that's like uh seems geared toward especially like they've maybe fallen out of favor in the last few years, but like they were sort of like for teenage hardcore or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh like, that's that's still a thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like there's, you know, the the vibe, like, spray paint murals everywhere yeah. and, like, too high of a stage for, like, <laughs> the room, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah. right. But I think, actually, this venue contacted me. I think that's what happened, maybe. Like, they saw that we were touring or something and it was like, hey, you can play here, there's a $75 guarantee or something. Right. I was like... All right, well, <laughs> sure, that's right. better than that. We often make worse than that. Sure, so, definitely. You know, coming through from Arizona, we might as well stop there, and we'll make 75 bucks and just, like, hopefully get us a floor to sleep on. There was some kind of, like, dad band who played first, middle-aged guys. Like, they were okay. fine, you know, like... Wait, they, so, they but it was, first. like, a teenage hardcore kind of scene. Yeah. Like, was most of the... This audience? There wasn't an audience. Okay. That's, that's one of the main <laughs> Sorry. things. <laughs> Jumped the gun there. Yeah. I mean, there were like... Oh, audience? No, there wasn't one. No, there those. wasn't an audience, okay. really. There were like three or four people. Like the the kind of dad... They were... They kind of sounded like granddaddy or something. Like it was like... Oh, yeah. It was like fine, you know? Yeah. It was just like middle of the road, like kind of... Kind of 
dude. But like, that that like like this older is dudes, their, like rocking. they have they have nine to fives and this yeah, is yeah. like their hobby. Right, they, yeah. They have a band. They were guys in their thirties and forties, maybe. Okay. You know? And they played first. Maybe I even found them. I don't remember. You know, maybe they, they were like one of the only acceptable Bakersfield bands I could find. You right. know what I mean? I was like, yeah. you guys want to play? I don't remember. Right. But they played first, I think, probably because they had to leave to go right. to bed. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then they didn't That's bring. Like... They didn't bring anyone. You know. Now, did they bring like their significant others? Was it that kind of vibe? I don't really remember anyone showing up to see them. <laughs> okay. And then we played, and there were maybe, I don't know if there's anyone, but the band that played after us was like a teenage band, and I don't know, maybe there were three bands on the bill, I don't remember exactly. It seems like the kind of place that would put like as many bands on the bill as they could for the night, okay. or whatever, you know? But it was like a Sunday night or something totally off, I think that's why Okay. we were like, okay, we'll play there on Sunday night and get 75 bucks or whatever. So we... We were done playing. No one was really at the show. Bakersfield doesn't really have like a DIY scene to speak of, so there's not like, or like you know, there's not gonna be people at the show being like, "You stay at my house." Right, right. <laughs> we were like, "Where are we gonna? Where are we gonna sleep tonight?" It was like kind of an early show too. I remember it's still light outside. When it finished, or yeah, okay. And, and it was like it was still it was like dusk, you know. Yeah. And, there was a gate around the outside of the venue. It was kind of like this industrial area. So we were like, maybe we'll like jump the fence and sleep back there after they close. Because we were parked out front. In the venue? In the yard of the venue, okay. basically. You gotcha. Know? Because it was like kind of an old car garage kind of place, you know? Okay. And then there was like an outside yard area. And it was fenced off, you know? But okay. Like, maybe we'll just go camp out there after they close. Just to be clear, not like let's ask them if that's cool, but more no, like, more like gorillas. And we yeah. knew it wouldn't be cool. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was just that kind of vibe. Okay. But they did pay us the seventy five dollars, no problem. Right. So that was cool. Right. But uh, we we're just like hanging out outside of our van, just like strategizing, like what are we gonna do tonight? And we were pretty adamantly like anti hotel, you know? right? Because you just made seventy five dollars. Right. We didn't want to spend still gotta <laughs> spend that on fuel, probably. Yeah. Hopefully get some food. Yeah. So we were looking around, thinking about what to do. And then this like kind of like party lady came by and was like, Ooh, hey, what are you guys doing? That kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> okay. And we were like, you just sitting in the van? What's it? We were like standing against it basically. Right. And we were like, we're just looking for a place to sleep. I think I spoke up. <laughs> and I was like, maybe she can help us, you know? And she it turned out she was there to see her teenage son play in the band that was after us. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, this is now. This is after the show's already over, or like is it before they? I played? think it was after it was over. Okay. Maybe it was before they played. No, it could have been before they played, and they were just okay. walking by. And okay. She was like a mom, like out, out having a night out. <laughs> okay. You know, like yeah. You know, you have to see some music and you know <laughs> have a good time. She had a friend with her. Somehow she was like. Yeah, you should stay with my friend or something like that. And the friend was like, uh, like really <laughs> meek and weird. And then we were like, okay. She was like, we're going to go watch the band. And then, you know, I don't know. And then they came back out and we're like, we're still looking for a place to stay. Right. And then this uh, 
the kind of meek friend was, I was like, oh, I guess you can stay with me. Okay. <laughs> and we were like, all right. <laughs> we don't have any other options. Right. And then she's like, you're not going to kill me, are you? She kept saying right. stuff like that, you know, like. He was not accustomed to having like, yeah. random bands at her house. And you forget sometimes, as a touring band, that most Americans are really not comfortable having strangers in yeah. their house. Like, the DIY music scene is the exception. Right. It's and a community can, that yeah, I really you appreciate. You spoiled because it's such a community. It's yeah. so nice that a lot of times you can And just... every major city in America has it. You know what... Yeah. People know what's going on. They know and the deal. And a lot deal. of most small towns, too. Like there's, At least college if, towns, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if there's a DIY scene, and usually if they're... Right. There's, it's not all the time. You can't expect it, but it does happen a lot. Yeah. Where people are like, oh, yeah, you can just... We've got a spare room, or you can use our living room, or right. whatever. But that's the thing to remember about those small, weird towns, like yeah. Bakersfield, or another place we played once called Fallon, Nevada. Like, they, okay. you know, people don't know what that is. They don't know that. Well, I would bet, because I've, I've been to Baker, Bakersfield a few times. There is a little scene there. There is there a are, bit, but there everyone are... moves away as quick as they can. Sure, you but know? I'm just saying... It'd be one thing if you played a show and there were a bunch of musicians. It's just or like there was no one there at the show. Was part of it, right? Know. But I mean, like, so maybe if it hadn't been a Sunday or if there were bands, if there was like a bigger local band on the right, bill, it would yeah. have been a different situation. But uh, digressing to another show, I played, I played <laughs> okay. years before in Bakersfield. We did get a place to stay with this girl named Shaggy, and she like was super awesome she brought us to her mom's house and right. we stayed there awesome. um that was pretty interesting but, but yeah but when you get to people who are not part of that scene at all like this is yeah the friend of the mom yeah of somebody who's i think she worked scene. at a bank but right. she was young she was in her 20s you know yeah like she should have been like party in age or something but she was just like really <laughs> you know like she she brought us to her apartment Right. But just, like, really nervous the whole time. Right. And I don't know what to ever say to reassure. Because if you someone, you're not going to murder me, are you? Then, like, yeah. clearly I'm not. But uh, you don't want to joke about it. Be <laughs> yeah, like, you don't want to joke. You don't want to be like, well, But I don't it's so easy so, to but... joke about that. You know, it's, yeah, it's, like, really, very But somebody who's asking that question, generally, they don't want to. I don't know what they want to hear. Cause right. Obviously, if you were going to kill somebody, you wouldn't tell them. Yeah. So me saying no is, I don't know, is that actually reassuring? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm not going to kill you. No, I thought about it, but <laughs> I'm definitely not going to. So, the old, yeah, we got there and she's like, you're not going to hurt my cat, are you? <laughs> she said something about that. Like, yeah. So anyway, we got back to her apartment. It's like kind of a small apartment complex. Kind of like the motel style like apartment kind okay. of, you know with the railing but it was a little nicer than that we had like kind of a nice courtyard but she was on the second floor I remember and then she had this gangster neighbor who like was super wasted and he came over to the apartment and he was like our drummer bud was sitting there with his stuff and he had pink socks on <laughs> and the guy was like out of his mind just wasted on something and looked at Bud and goes, pink socks. And was like, like shuffling towards him like he wanted to kill him. 
<laughs> fuck, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then some, I don't remember what happened, but some, I think she got, she was like, no, no, come on, let's go. Like, she knew him, you know, but he was, like, extra wasted that night. And she, like, pulled him out or something. But for a she... second, I thought that guy was going to murder Bud. Um, <laughs> Did Bud ask? You're not going to kill me, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Your no, neighbor's he... not going to kill me, is he? <laughs> I hate being killed by your neighbor. No, you didn't get killed, but it was a little scary for a minute. And then she took us to a bar. It was really early Wait, so still. you went to the house? We went to the house. It was probably like maybe 9.30 when we got there okay. or something. And then she thought, well, I'll entertain these guys. Yeah, we gotta do something, you know. <laughs> okay. So we went to this bar, and it was, there wasn't like, it was pretty dead. It was like pool table and stuff. There was kind of a suicide girl-looking person there. Like she looked, she had that kind like of the bartender. Stuff. No, mm-hmm. just a just a random bar patron. She okay. Had that kind of look, and I remember Bud saying, "Like I think she's like turning tricks in the back patio." <laughs> like she kept going out with random dudes and then coming okay. back to the bar. Uh huh. Yeah, I gotcha. I remember that happening, <laughs> and we we played pool with the our host. And she was like, she was kind of like coming around a little bit, but she was still pretty shy and weird. But we stayed, we stayed there and it was fine. We, she went to work the next morning and left us there and we like did all their dishes and cleaned her house and stuff. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. But having all that said, it's like, there's no big climax to this story. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, that's what's funny. I was wondering if, because a lot of times in that situation too, where if they are super worried about strangers in the home then they have to leave at 7 30 in the morning and yeah you kind of have to leave when they leave and that's always a bummer which right you, they especially didn't, she didn't play. make us leave when yeah they, when she really left nice. which was cool because she really worked nice. at a bank or something so yeah it was early and we were on tour schedule yeah we went and skated the skate park in bakersfield which is another kind of weird experience <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we we weren't going very far the next day i don't think Right. So we had time to kill in Bakersfield, which I don't recommend. <laughs> I mean, one of the main reasons Bakersfield gets such a bad rap is just the smell of cow shit in and out of the town. But I feel like every time I'm just driving through Bakersfield, there's not it's not just Bakersfield, but like that whole valley right there is just is fields and yeah. fertilizer so it's much. It's also just a small town with a bad vibe and a lot of crime. I remember shrines downtown to people who've been murdered like recently, you know? Okay. Like in a nightclub or something. Yeah. Just like that always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's sufficiently, I think, uh, qualified that we're not talking worst shows ever. We're just talking about unfortunate events yeah on tour or whatever and like it's great that that, like there's good things even about that story like right we got a nice apartment to sleep in right for the night you know and you actually got paid 75 dollars right which already makes it not the worst show ever of course yeah and And there's other shows that were like oh that was a pretty good show and then they're like there's no money and you're like why <laughs> but why? Yeah. But then that's kind of a shitty thing about that. Yeah. Know? And then there's other shows that are like, you know, no one cared. They were talking through your set or whatever, and then you make 300 bucks, and you're like, oh, that, that. Yeah. Okay. I guess that made up for that 
no one caring kind of but still feels weird that was kind of a shitty show too yeah you know so it's like there's levels of shittiness that are just different you know right that reminds me of actually one of the worst shows was our official south by southwest showcase (laughs) there you go (laughs) right yeah speaking of which like we got on the official like thing and it was You know, they try to make you take the wristband. They're like, get the wristband. It's worth all this money. And you can see all these bands. And we were like, fuck that. We're on tour. We don't need to see bands. Right. So we took the $250 guarantee or whatever that they're offered. Wait, wait. So I've um, never been a part of the official thing. You're saying even with the official thing, you don't just get a wristband? Or you have to choose between either... You have to choose. Either the wristband or... Or two hundred and fifty bucks. Okay, that's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. So we took the two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. And man, that was a shitty show. It was like the bill was great. They really curated it well. It was in this little like black box theater that usually did little plays and stuff. Do you remember who you played with her? I don't remember. I think I remember the headliner for one night was Sonora. They did a split with Eternal Tapestry. You know, okay. It's like appropriate for okay. the bands before us and after were good, you know. Yeah. But it was just like the sound guy was this old man. He just had a real chip on his shoulder. Was yeah. like really pissed about something taking out on us. I don't know <laughs> what yeah. was going on. And there was like all these. There was like a solo guitar guy that played. I remember who was really good. It was like a young kid, and he seemed to have all these old kind of like classical people like in that world almost like there or or the like, audience yeah the audience are yeah. like more like music school kind of heads okay. you know like yeah. like people who professors and stuff were there okay. to see him and like he he had the only crowd i saw that whole night of like anyone who played right everyone came to see him he played like a few slots ahead of us okay um but then by the time we played they were like seven people sitting in the seats you right. know um yeah. and it was just like what the fuck is this, this is the worst show ever tour you know do you remember um, specifically what the what the sound guy said or did or anything i do remember one thing we had a i have a, a pa head and a pa speaker that i was running my synthesizer through my synthesizer and my sampler were going through that yeah because i had traded my keyboard in some years before for that and it was working really well and i would run a di out of the monitor output on the pa head okay. which works really well and i had the the monitor on sit and i was like asking to get the pa in the monitors for the other people and he's like oh when i see a monitor i assume that's a monitor for you to hear yourself because we had a p you know we had what looked like a, a monitor right and i mean it's a nice like jbl monitor so he was like you know like what's wrong with this monitor you got and i was like the other guys need to hear you know we all need to hear it all over this we need to hear the what's coming from the sampler all over the stage and he had a real attitude about that for some reason that's so weird (laughs) what wait it was you were using it as as the amp basically for your right but because it looked like a monitor he but then, thought we didn't need monitor. We didn't need that in any but other. There's monitors. like four people in the band. There's like three, people. three people in the band. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. So I got it, but right 
for the other members of the band. Yeah. You know, like monitors. Right. <laughs> That's so weird. But yeah. because it looked, yeah, he was, it seemed like he was like a little inept and he was trying to cover it up with like just talking shit to us. Right. Because we were kind of a complicated setup, you know, it wasn't just like playing it's a little out of guitar. It. Yeah, it's, it's a, a little just out a of little that. different. I mean, there's a good number of the stories that I've heard just about how much sound engineers can ruin a show. Yeah. <laughs> can make a, make a world of difference. <laughs> I mean, I've done live sound as well, so I can see yeah. it from the other side. And uh, sometimes bands can be really shitty to sound sure. people too. Sure, totally. I just mean that, like, given how in the world of touring, like, assuming you're playing clubs with sound systems, that the sound person and the band or artist really should have this sort of mutualistic kind of uh, relationship. Ideally, that happens, and yet it's so common for there to be this weird antagonism where either the band is shitty to the sound person or the sound person is shitty to the band, and it becomes this thing where I think a lot of bands are almost like like ready for some kind right. of antagonism. Well, seeing it from both ends, I think I know what it is now. I okay. think it's because, well... Anything you do kind of out of the ordinary makes the sound person's job harder, for one. Okay, sure. Bands don't realize this, that they're making the sound person's job harder because they're not a sound engineer. Sure. So they're like, I want to run it through this pedal, and I want to do this, and I want to, you know, it's going to route through my synthesizer, and then I need to come back here. You know, they're like, they don't realize what they're doing to the sound person, so the sound person feels like, all right, you're making me work harder for my flat fee of $80 or whatever, you know? Sure. Um, and then the band's like, but why is it not sounding good? You know? And then there's a thing where the maybe the sound engineer doesn't quite know how to get what the band wants for them. So their response is to be like, well, fuck you, you know? Like kind of a little bit I, like... yeah. I guess I I rarely witnessed that. I mean, I have. I feel like I played in one band yeah. years ago where it happened. The it, lead singer was and was like shitty to the sound person sometimes. And it but really, I don't. I'm not even saying it's always that. Some uh, sometimes it's the sound person just being overworked and they're stressed out. And yeah, it's hard for them to like. I guess so. I guess I just think, and I'm, I'm thinking of so many amazing sound engineers that I've also Oh, yeah. I mean, most of the time it's fine. But really. I also feel like your job is not just to do sound for one kind of band. Your job is to do the sound for whoever shows up. Like, that is your job. Yeah. And it's not the band's job to somehow fit into what would be the least amount no, of work. It's not like, at well, all. We've, I mean, you've got that. How big is that, that drum out there? 32 inch 32 inch bass drum yeah that's not something most people bring but that's what you do and right. that's your sound and so the sound engineer's job is to like okay that's unusual but i'm gonna try to make that sound good yeah, right <laughs> right i and, mean you can tell there's also just like grumpy people or sometimes yeah, sound yeah. engineers and it's yeah. like okay that's a grumpy sound person <laughs> right and if you know how to talk to them in like the way a sound person might talk they usually respond to you better. You know what I mean? Sure. I think I hear what you're saying, but I will say, for one thing, I've talked to a lot of women who talk about the most sexist things at shows happening because of sound engineers. Like, that is a story that's come up a few times. Where, yeah, like, I believe that. The sound engineer... It's such a male thing to, like, 
control yeah. the sound and the microphones that are all dick shaped and put them all on, you know? <laughs> right. Like it's super yeah. like phallic and male and I can see. And honestly, I'm trying to think sure. of the, of the female sound engineers that I've had, it's not as common, but like they're almost always good or at least like they're not shitty people. Well, they have, I mean, I think they probably have to be hundred percent to totally. to exist in a male dominated world. That's, they probably that's pretty, have to be like extra good, you know. And I'm saying I've also definitely had female sound sound engineers who were not that good, but who were like learning, who were early in their yeah career of doing that, and that's fine. And I guess personally, I'd way rather somebody was nice yeah and bad at their job than like I really feel like bands respond to that better. Just right. being nice and because if, if you don't know what you're doing, job. but you're trying, yeah. And you're willing to work together that's fine yeah i also try to be super simple i mean i'm in that weird spot of like my setup is unusual but it's also really simple so it usually takes a second to tell the sound engineer like i'm gonna run this bass and my vocals through these pedals going through my amp and then i'm just going to be sending you one signal yeah and sometimes the more control oriented Sound engineers are like, I can just take your vocals separately. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. Trust me, I have this down. <laughs> yeah. I want them going through my pedals. And I try to just explain it's not a typical like lead vocal kind of thing. I'm just going to yeah. be like playing harmonica or singing or whistling or something into the mic occasionally. And it's just for, for looping and not something right. I need to be like super upfront. So it's usually fine. But it's also like... I try to point out, like, no, but I'm really sending you one thing. So it's just a matter of finding the right level and EQ for that one line, and that's all you have to do. But, yeah, so if somebody's not great at their job, I'll just play out of my amp and not <laughs> deal with the... Like, that's something I keep in mind at all times. Of, right. Like, if I can just... If it's going to sound terrible out of this PA, either because the sound person doesn't know what they're doing or because this is not a great PA, then I'll just play out of an amp and it's fine. And I have that luxury. Not everybody can do that. Like, people who really care, you want to make the band sound as good as possible, you know? So, right. like, even being like, I can run your vocals separate, you know? They're, they're right. trying totally. You they're, know, a lot of times that, they're trying to help you. That like, usually is coming totally from, like, a good space. Right, Just, yeah, like, a helpful, what yeah. can I do that's useful? Yeah. Um, but going back to that South by Southwest show, I mean, that wasn't the only thing that threw the show. Okay. You know, the yeah. sound person. I mean, part of it was also, like, everyone being like oh yeah that's great you're playing south by southwest you know and right. i'd never been before okay and also going and you're like this is have you ever been there have i yeah, yeah. i hate it yeah it's awful <laughs> like i mean I was, i've only gone once and i've, I, I yeah, didn't I've been once that was the time yeah, I, went. Same. I didn't i didn't make it on the official thing or anything or even try i just yeah thought oh you just go during that same week and then you play a bunch of shows that nobody right. goes to because everybody's playing shows I was just like, this is what it is. I mean, I was just very, I mean, I knew, I didn't expect much, I guess, but I was even disappointed with the what little, little I did expect. <laughs> right. You know? right. And just like the giant Doritos vending machine stage, <laughs> you know, like. I don't know, is that a thing? That was a thing that year, at least. It was a giant, like behind the stage, it, it was a giant Doritos vending machine, you know. Wait, you're saying the shape the the, the stage, stage was shaped like a, yeah, yeah, like the the backdrop of the stage was 
was shaped like a <laughs> like a Doritos vending like, machine. Like Doritos sponsored that stage, right? Really. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Yeah, like I remember seeing that <laughs> from the main street you walk around on or whatever. Okay. Just like she, you know, but and then going to this little show that should have been cool, but it just felt so tainted by everything. Right. Know? And then seeing like a like trying to get out of there at night i think after getting our money like going up to some hotel floor somewhere and like getting our check and then coming back and coming to the van but just being like stuck in traffic like on a side street like couldn't even get out to the main street we saw this giant brawl of all these dudes like young dudes like a serious fight like this Maybe like fifteen people involved. And wow! You saw a kid get hit with a U lock in the face. Holy shit! Like serious stuff going on, like right outside our van, and we're just like stuck there, you know? Right. Like it felt like they were gonna get punched like into our van, you know, like, <laughs> like on the window, that right. kind of style. Yeah. I was like, why? I mean, ugh, why? You know, we kind of yeah. toured around that. Right. As an anchor. I feel like I had to do it once. Right. And I did it once and I was like, this is yeah, not for me. Good. <laughs> never again. Yeah, and I was like, I'll never come back here unless someone's really pushing hard and paying yeah. us to come or, or something. I feel like it just gets worse every year probably. Sure, so man. I haven't thought about it in a long time. Yeah, I, was, I mean, we played some other shows. We played a house show and this kind of bar on the outskirts of town. It was cool enough. I mean, this is true of a lot of festivals. There's an art to kind of, if you're putting something like that on, to knowing how many things can happen at the same time and still have an audience. Yeah. You know, and the answer to that question is not as many as possible. Right. It's definitely not the answer. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking about that you might have some insight in is like the actual like soul-crushing shows that aren't just like, oh, that was a weird night in Bakersfield, but like... Where you're like, maybe I suck at this. Maybe I shouldn't be playing music <laughs> yeah. at all. Like, have you had shows like that? <laughs> yeah. You had to have yeah. in your, your, all your years of touring. I have, but I do feel like that is really subjective. And that that's usually the problem with that, is that as artists or musicians, whatever you want to call us, like that even if we love what we're doing, it is supposed to be about providing something for an audience. It is supposed to be interactive in some sense that, like you're doing a thing and then hopefully someone you know gets something out of that and then you can tell that hopefully in some way yeah when that isn't happening i think it's legit to ask that question to be like oh am i getting something out of this like am i just doing it because it's what i'm used to doing or am i doing because i actually want to do it i think that's fair there is um do you know thor harris are you familiar with him at all yeah he so one of the first episodes of this he did and we were talking about, he wrote this blog that was went viral years ago that was called, like, How to Tour in a Band or whatever. Yeah, it was just, like, bullet points. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. I think it's classic. It's one of my favorite things it's great. on yeah. the internet. <laughs> uh, and one, the one that I, I was talking to him about it. And the oh, one every that night, I, everyone has a shitty night at work, that yeah, one? that one. That's, like... Don't question your entire existence while waiting in a janitor's closet to go on stage. Yeah. His, the main point is, like, you're not above it just because you're an artist. Like, that doesn't put you above that. Like, that's true of everyone, which I think is good advice. 
And yeah, if it happens a lot, if you consistently ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this? Then yeah, you probably should stop doing it or at least see right. what you can change to do it in a way that's more um, rewarding or satisfying for you but if it's once in a while i think it's good to just let yourself know like you can have bad days don't question your whole existence just because of a shitty show that's just a shitty show yeah and i think like sometimes when you have a full band it's worse like as a solo i've toured both ways a lot it can be worse if like the whole band is like yeah that was no one liked it or whatever you right. know and like everyone keeps like <laughs> like digging uh-huh. themselves deeper you oh know? you're saying <laughs> get worse until like everyone can get in a worse mood or like a and worse... you you just exaggerate it for everyone else you know the more you keep talking okay. about it the worse it gets now that's interesting my impression i've toured a lot more solo than with bands but i've toured a lot with bands too and my impression sometimes is that a terrible show in a band at least you have someone to like commiserate and be like, oh my God. Oh, it can go that way too. That was awful. And you can kind of laugh about it. It can go that way too. But if it's a show where you feel like no one likes you, that's a a little different or something than than a show where it's just like, oh, those people didn't get it. They're like fucking stupid. If people are shitty to you, (laughs) then you can kind of at least look at your friend and be like, dude, can you believe that guy said that shit? But... But yeah, if it if, really just feels like you're not going over or something yeah. like that, if you're like you're in a band with other people and people are like underslept and just on tour and it sucks and you're yeah. like, oh, what are we doing? What the fuck? Maybe we suck or whatever. Right. Know? I wonder if this is more common in like rock or in like more, maybe because I do a lot of more experimental stuff. Right. Where... Well, it's easy. I've been on the, on the are you talking about like... Uh, well, like, yeah, they just don't get it. Like, that's... That well, I just mean, even in a not putting it on other people, but just saying, like, I'm making music that I know full well is not for everyone. Oh, yeah. And I think if you... But that's always you, the case in, in totally. any music I've been making, too. But I just mean, as far as within that world, and I'm not saying this is a good or bad thing, but within that world, a lot of experimental musicians that I know give no fucks about right. how the audience and I'm again that's not always a good thing the audience can get it or not and fuck them and that's a that's a really typical attitude I don't have that attitude but right I, and but most I, shows I feel that way about you know it's like there's just been a a few in my life maybe like maybe two you know right. where I feel like it was like an appropriate crowd and they should be into it right but for some reason they weren't or something you know and that that feels really bad you know yeah um yeah i mean and it's it's because it's like you don't have that many people in the world who would be into this kind of music but there happen to be people there at that show that should right that should be into it but you mean should be as in like because they are into the previous band right to the the other bands the same right the other bands on the bill or whatever you know like right yeah, it seems like you're with your people, and right. then your people aren't digging it, and it's just maybe a part of that, like, you're trying to find your tribe, and you're like, maybe this isn't my tribe, and right. it's like, 
confusing, you know, it throws right. off your whole kind of worldview a little bit, you know? Yeah, I feel and like... And that, that's rare that that's ever happened. I'm yeah. talking like one or two times, maybe. Right. I can't think of an experience I've had like that, but I think I know what you mean. There's a lot of music that I might put into one category, but that is not objectively in one category. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? true. Like, and, and I think, you know, one of my best friends, uh, my buddy Jim... Loves the band The Mars Volta. Mm-hmm. Loves that band. Hates the band Rush. Mm-hmm. I think that's impossible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think The Mars Volta... I like The Mars... I don't. I haven't heard the recent stuff, but, like, their first couple records I really liked, and I thought it was so, so indebted to Rush. That it was like, this is, a, this is not like a straight-up Rush knockoff, but, like, very, very heavily influenced... And so it kind of blew my mind that you could hate the main band that influenced right. this other band that you love. But that's how Jim feels. And I don't know. He doesn't have to explain that to me. Right. <laughs> that's just how he feels. Yeah, uh, I mean, once you start getting into deep underground circles, it becomes like super niche-oriented. Yeah. You know? And so I can't imagine what other act could be on such that I felt well, people are into that. They've got to be into me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's you know, ridiculous, like, yeah. How you see... Yeah, just sometimes the things that you think are a subtle little distinction between this and that might be the thing that makes all the difference for someone else. And I've, I feel like that about certain things. There's certain... But I mean, yeah, I think it's, a, it's an occupational hazard that when you're on the road, especially if you're on the road a lot, where you, it's nice to get some, some good feedback. And sometimes, especially if you don't get it, like a number of shows in a row it can be really shitty when i feel like i've had the more existential sort of crisis at a show it's been when i'm by myself usually it's been more like dude what am i doing yeah what what am i doing with my life that i'm playing in grand junction at a bro bar uh like why (laughs) nobody's getting anything out of this yeah i remember the first time maybe that happened to that kind of like existential thing was playing a backyard show in providence rhode island yeah in like 2004 it was the daytime i was like especially at that time it was definitely not like daytime music goes to i was on tour alone i've been on tour for like a month and a half already yeah and it was like some like kind of dance band played before me i remember and people were like wanting to party and it was just like slow like downer sort of music you know and i that's all i can do you know i didn't have like a party set (laughs) right like i remember though i remember i had like a maybe like a beat on my sampler or something it was just like something like that like a like a distorted casio beat or something that i played like and people were kind of just like yeah and then i kind of played and People were just like, uh, and just like wandered away. Like right. we're just not in the mood, you know. Maybe yeah. if they, maybe if they saw it in the right context, they would have liked it. Maybe those just weren't, yeah. And realizing, weren't. like, you know, there were people watching, like sitting on a wall in the back, and just, right. you know, like I realized later, people. But it just felt like the band before had all this energy, and just right. like you know, and they would just put me on after that, and I was like, fuck. 
right. it was a mayday show at this like anarchist house you know it was like okay. a totally like the right kind of vibe in a way but it was just the wrong spot right you know i think if you're especially a solo performer you're doing kind of like a mellower thing it doesn't even sometimes playing after but also sometimes playing before like a party vibe is just sometimes it's just not gonna work and right. people aren't people aren't in the mood where sometimes you're playing like a college party or like a dive bar or some space where clearly the people who are there are there for a thing and it's reasonable for them to be there for that thing and that thing is not you right and it sucks but it's it's That's, a those are very those are those kind of shows don't bother me right you know if i go into it knowing it's like a shitty dive bar. Right, and you know when you're booking those shows. Yeah, most of the time you do. If yeah. You, and you're just you're like, like, this you know, is what You know what is. you're getting into, I'm especially getting when you've been guarantee. doing it for years. You're just yeah. like, yeah, you you pretty much know what to expect from everything you're booking at a certain right. point. And But so, like, if I know that I'm, like, like your situation where you're, like, you're getting a $75 guarantee, like, I know it's not going to be awesome, that's fine. Like, it's good enough yeah. for this situation. And hopefully there's other shows that week that are more exciting in other ways right but then i think when i get bummed out it's when i have reason to think it's going to be good and then i'm wrong right <laughs> or like because you're like i'm so dumb why did i think this was gonna be good or yeah like yeah. the situation i was thinking about in grand junction just now was like my friend sally was booking shows and it was like a shitty bro bar but they had this space in the back Mm-hmm. where she was putting I on experimental some shows in Grand Junction oh yeah me too and I mean she's booked some rad shows in Grand Junction she found this sweet little niche where it was like you'll actually get paid because this is like a popular bar on the mm-hmm. weekend and it's kind of abominable in the front but in the back there's a stage and the bros don't go back there and we just have our own little scene back there and yeah. it seemed perfect and right. I was stoked uh, my friend Madeline had played there with Kevin Greenspawn and it was like cool this is great and then for some reason that night the manager had talked to the owner and they were like no we're gonna have it in the front and I was like no but uh could you do it in the back though because here's the thing it's really really loud in here and none of my music will be audible at all and he's like nah owner said in the front I was like, could I, I don't need the PA, I'll just play out of my amp, you don't need to put, he's like, we don't have the staff, he basically says something like, we don't, we can't staff it back there, because we don't, we don't, we're shorthanded, Some, someone didn't show up, or I don't know what happened, and he wasn't interested in finding a mutually agreeable solution, he was just, was dictating, like, yeah. this is what's happening, you can get on board, or you cannot play, and then you won't get paid, right. <laughs> you know, he was he wasn't like shitty to me about it, but he just clearly had other things to do. And this was not on the list of important things for right. him. It was like, he's dealing with the bartenders. And I don't remember if the movie, there was a kitchen there too. He was managing a restaurant slash bar. Right. I was not the priority. And Sally's felt so bad. Like she thought she had figured out this awesome loophole where like she could actually get me paid at a show, which hadn't always happened in some of the house shows that I'd played there. And, I was stoked. And so, like, I went into it excited, and then it was terrible because it was just playing inaudibly, trying to hear myself over loud bros who were, like, shouting 
at yeah, each other. That's when you just see a feedback set. Right. <laughs> well, and that's, I will say, it's funny to me, having been on the road so long, I'm still terrible at adjusting to a room that is not interested in what I was going to do. Like, sometimes I do it, but far more often I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to have a bad time then. <laughs> I guess I'll just hate this then. I feel like I got good fine. at that at some point, of getting people to listen to yeah. you talk at least, like when you address the crowd, you know? I've like really figured out how to how to do it, how to like get people to pay attention. Yeah. Just like with how you talk to them and then what song you open with or whatever, you know. Yeah. But you have to make a spectacle of yourself in some degree, you know, like to just get yeah. people to be like, What is that? you know? Like, yeah. What's part going of it on? is I'm not you know, I'm not really a drinker and I don't really like being around drunk people. And so part of it is my own anxiety or yeah. just preference not to be around that. And so if it's if it's in a situation where people are especially if people are heckling right. I don't deal well with that. And yeah. I've I've sort of just accepted it. Like I'm probably not gonna get good at this or whatever. <laughs> like I'm I'm pretty good at trying to like yeah. engage folks a little bit. But then usually when I play it's like one continuous thing. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like I can get your attention, but then it, it's most of it's instrumental and then people are going to, going to talk over right. it. I mean, and that's fine, right? Like that's not the worst thing in the world. Usually in that situation, I will kind of close off a little bit to the crowd and I'm just kind of, I just sort of go inside and just try to play. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, when people actually yell shit, I'm thinking of a show in <laughs> Indianapolis. I played one time. I can't remember the name of the venue, but I was opening up for... My buddy Moose's band at the time called Ancient Slang, and they were awesome. And I remember all the bands were rad, but it was like they were bands, they were rock bands, they yeah. were like weird and interesting, but still rock bands. Mm-hmm. And I was playing a solo bass set, and somebody in like the first minute of my thing was like, I forget what, they, but they just yelled something like next or something like that <laughs> I was just like damn and then somebody else yelled something too and they were kind of like joking between they were on opposite sides of the room and they were both kind of yelling at me and kind of yelling at each other like this is more fun to yell than to listen to this right. but then you know just took over the room and then I didn't have any kind of response or any way of really coming back from that they're like man what the hell is this bullshit or something <laughs> I know, right? And then it it was just, it was done. And I was just like, what is the shortest amount of time that I can play and still say, I played, you should, you should give me the, the money that's owed to me. (laughs) You know, I think I arrived at like 10, 20 minutes or something like that. I was like, 20 minutes is still a set. Yeah. I think that's the shortest amount of time I can play at a like legit venue. Yeah. And still get paid. But so yeah, the soul crushing shows, they're, they're out there, but I do think you have to, you have to just say like, all right. I've had I've had very few in my life, you okay. know, like less than five probably. Right. You know. You were saying how usually you know if it's gonna be a pretty like not great show, you can usually tell that when yeah. you're. But have you had shows where you're wrong, where you like had reason to think this was gonna be solid, and then turned out something else happened entirely? Maybe this show in Pittsburgh we had once. Okay. Um, a Ghost of Talk full band tour. Yeah. Which was like, Buck did a pretty legit, like, 
bar they've been having a lot of like punk shows called Gooskies. You ever played there? I don't think so. This was probably like two thousand nine or so. Okay. Uh, we were on a longer tour, and the shows had been pretty good on that tour. Like it was a solid band. Is my high school friends from North Carolina who joined, who were playing with me and goes to Falco. Okay. We were playing with this band. This band called Kaka from Chicago was headlining. Who was ex-members of a band called Coughs, who my old band Alarmist had played with in Chicago. Okay, yeah, I've heard Which was kind of this no-wave band with, like, saxophone and two, like, dudes who beat on, like, oil barrels and stuff. It was was cool. And Kaka, I was kind of looking forward to seeing them, you know? They were, like, two bass players. They were pretty, like, kind of crusty in a little bit, but, like, in a weird art punk sort of way, you know? Um... And we were playing with them, but, like, I don't know. We were not really of their ilk exactly, you know. Okay. But but the guy who booked the show knew it. I think I had gotten the, his contact from Father Murphy or something, you know. Okay. So it was, like, very appropriate. And we were, when we started, I think we opened something sort of pretty, like, straightforward. Some of the Ghost of Alco stuff is not so straightforward as some of it was. That's I think we opened that show with a pretty straightforward song and like halfway through our first song like it was pretty crowded in there and everyone fucking just left the room right you know <laughs> yeah it was like but it was it wasn't the thing it was like punk people who like were like this isn't punk enough or something you know what right. I mean <laughs> right. yeah and it was like but there were a few people in the back like watching who stuck it out and liked it right. or whatever but it was pretty much the whole room got cleared and you weren't you weren't expecting that at that point right like okay cool this is yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense like i kind of thought that would be a pretty cool show on that tour you know right and then being like fuck no one liked us at that show you know right (laughs) it was pretty lame feeling but that's a good reminder too when you like the punk scene is weird in that way right because like there's some places where the punk scene is kind of all-inclusive right where there's like punk can mean noise or hardcore or metal or folk or whatever and it's just the punk scene is just yeah the kids that are i think these people wanted something fucking loud and abrasive like you know like real well then yeah but some places the punk scene is very specific where it's like this is all I want to hear. Yeah. Or like hardcore. They wanted Kaka, which was like very loud and abrasive. Right. Two bass players and just like stacks and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah. We weren't what they wanted, you know. But yeah. it felt bad because they, it sort of felt like they gave us a chance for a minute, you know, and then like, no. Nah. And nah. everyone just decided, <laughs> like this wave swept through the crowd. Right. Like, we're not going to watch this, you know. Right. <laughs> I also kind of... Because it wasn't just, like, bros at a bar either, you know? Right. It was, like, bike punks who were, like, no. <laughs> you're, like, but I think you're cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like that. <laughs> like, can, can we, we be could friends? Be, we could be friends, guy. Come on. I'm, I'm punk. I'm yeah. punk. No, dude, I'm totally punk. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Not punk enough. Right. <laughs> it's all right. Oh, man. Just a few kingpins of the scene decide uh, do you know what i mean the gatekeepers yeah sort of, yeah, yeah the gatekeepers that ask Somebody. the show are like no not good. <laughs> we're going guys you know and it's like this this energy sweeps through the air that makes me think of like do you know what i'm saying? yeah yeah i i don't know if i am 
usually but sometimes those, those people are like this is good you know and right. then they're like it's right good. it's great you know i'm not usually aware of who who those people would be or whatever but also yeah I but recognize... you know that they exist yeah it, yeah you know there's there's sort of the leaders of the local scene whoever's right. at that show that night you know and like Totally, but I, I also think that comes down to, and this is true in any scene, really, there's going to be people who primarily want to go out and hang out with their friends, and the oh, music yeah. is secondary, Right. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like It's good to remind yourself, like I am not the center of the world, Right. there are people who want to do things other than listen to me. Sometimes those leaders or whatever, they set the tone, but if you're really looking to somebody else to determine whether this is worth a shit or not, then, like, probably the music was not your top priority anyway. Yeah. You know? And well, like, you got to assume, I don't know, there's a pretty large percentage of people, if there's a good crowd at a show, that are that's a smaller, sh- you know, that's not like a show where you pay, like, 50 bucks to right, get in. Right, right. You have to assume, and even those shows, people are there to socialize. Right. You know? They're there to drink, they're there yeah. to socialize, right. they're there for so things. So you're saying maybe like 80% of the crowd is there. Probably the that. music is secondary. Right, right. You know? And that small 20% is Right. Like, and if you have, if you get into a conversation that you're enjoying, and if that was really the point of the night, well then you're going to sit at the bar right. and talk and not necessarily go watch the act. If that's, yeah. If it's that's like cool. you might watch, the, I mean I definitely go to shows like that sometimes where I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the band if I don't see anyone I want to talk to. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Like, because uh, I'm going out to socialize, kind of, right. whatever. I've definitely done that. You know? <laughs> this episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Duana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.